Hey, Starting Nine listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. For us, golf is simple. It's a chance to get out and have some fun with our friends. But inevitably, little things have a way of ruining it. The group ahead is taking forever. You can't find the fairway with a map. And the Bev cart is nowhere to be found. And the best way to make a bad day better is Fireball Whiskey. You get their nips, the little shooters. They are great. Makes bad day way, way, way better. Make sure to grab the new Fireball Birdie Shot Club. It's literally a golf club filled with Fireball Nip. Put it in your bag. It'll fit right in that side pocket. Drink Fireball Nips and have a great time on the golf course. Welcome back to Starting Nine, episode 98. Dominus. It is the Dansby Swanson episode. Atlanta Braves fans, you are spoiled, I think, between the Detroit Tigers and the Atlanta Braves. Uh, you guys have gotten more uh, Starting Nine guests than probably any other club at this point. I don't know who would rival the Tigers and the Braves at this juncture. The Brewers. The Brewers have gotten the Brewers have gotten a lot of content. Now, I think the Yankees, the Yankees, you've gotten Aaron Boone, you've gotten Luke Voigt, and we recorded uh Gio Urshela today. So that's three. I mean, it's between the Yankees, the Brewers, the Dodgers. Have the Dodgers, have we done the Dodgers a little bit? We've done we've done Bellinger, which we need to do that over again. We need to do that over again. I don't know if you guys are watching that fucking Dodgers game on uh monday night memorial day but i think i've i i've my appreciation for cody bellinger grows by the day he's not just a guy because i mean like obviously if you're gonna have a highlight show you're just gonna show the home runs and he's got there he's whacking balls over the fence that's great it's great home runs help home runs are a good thing but cody bellinger he's doing it all he's doing it all Dallas. He's out there. He's hosing fools twice a game. He's out there hitting dingers. He's making plays that make an impact in the game. He's what I like to call a constant gardener, Jared. Mm. He rakes. He hoses. (laughs) He digs. He does it all. Mm -hmm. He does it all. Mm -hmm. That's a constant gardener type effort. We've got a constant gardener of our own out in Oaktown, but we're not talking about him. We're talking about Cody Bellinger. Talk about a guy who is in some circles rivaling a one Mike Trout. Oh, wow. We're going there. As far as if you were going to start your organization today, Cody Bellinger is now in that conversation for people. Um, Frankly, He's not for me. If you're comparing those two individuals, like I'm just, I'm still just taking Mike Trout. That's just, I'm taking Mike Trout because I believe if you're going to holler at me about flexibility and this and that, look, you could probably go stand Mike Trout over at first base. Yeah. I mean, like any conversation of would you take this guy or that guy, Mike Trout is never in that conversation. He's just, Mike Trout's always the answer. So you say, if you could have Cody Bellinger or player X, Player X cannot be Mike Trout, but you can have that conversation right now today. Like you can have a debate about Cody Bellinger or Christian Yelich. You can have a debate about that. You can have a debate about Cody Bellinger or Mookie Betts. Sure. But you can't have that debate with Mike Trout. No, Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Again, there's it's, it's Mike Trout 
you know, like Mike Trout could start a band, Mike, you know, Trout and the Dead Guys, because mm-hmm. it's Trout and the conversation about Hall of Fame individuals that we're having because he's better than a lot of those dudes already. Mm-hmm. That's my go-to. It, it's it's just it's a different level. Yeah, this game has levels. Yeah, but Cody Bellinger has been a lot of fun to watch, and I'm not saying that like I want to redo on the Bellinger interview because it wasn't good. It's just I enjoy in-person interviews significantly more and i feel like we could have gotten a lot more out of them oh, uh and now it's thing dallas and now it's cody bellinger you know now it's this yeah, yeah, cody yeah. bellinger because i was rookie of the year cody bell i get it i yeah. get it but now it's now it's otherworldly he of the fucking yeah. 400 batting average for the first month plus of the season correct that guy right and and you know what's great though dallas tell me immediately is uh we might since we have a rapport with him now, we might be able to track him down in Cleveland. Cause I would imagine at this juncture, uh, yeah, he's probably starting the, he's probably starting on the mound for the NL at this point. Yeah. If, you were, if you were to tally it up right now, Cody Bellinger is your starting pitcher. For mm-hmm. the NL. Yeah. He's, he's, That's what he's, he's doing. Yes. He's, he's going to be the, the starter for the national league. Batten, First, fourth, seventh, and ninth. Cody Bellinger. That's how prominently he should be featured in this game. Um, but there was some news that we got to get into from this past week. Uh, this one of this this first one happened at Fenway Park. It was it was unfortunate. George Springer, uh, uh, mm. he of the Houston Astros. They're already down. Jose Altuve at this point. Now George Springer, who has been. Not the Cody Bellinger of the uh, the American League, but he's been pretty damn good in his own right, uh, leading the league in in a multitude of categories: homers, yeah, total bases. Uh, the OPS is up over a thousand. He's an impact player. He's a guy, and and that's what when you go back to 2017 <clears throat> and you start talking about the Houston Astros and the core that they built, and every great team has the one guy where it's like, yeah, we got our fucking guy and we got a supporting cast of other pretty good guys, but we have our guy. The Houston Astros could play a carousel of MVP candidates based on the year. Like there's going to be a year where Jose Altuve did win the MVP. There's going to be a year where Alex Bregman wins the MVP. Carlos Correa was a lot of our picks for MVP going into last year. And now you have George Springer, who, if you extrapolate the season that he's having over a full season, he's your fucking American League MVP or close to it. Uh, You obviously have to consider Mike Trout every single year. But like the fact that the Houston Astros have constructed this core through the draft and international free agent signings, is and and you can you can knock them all you want. You can talk about uh you know how they fucking tanked and how that's frowned upon and every team should compete to win every single year. The Houston Astros are kind of the golden example of why tanking is eh, it's maybe it's not so bad. Well, I mean, obviously the Astros, the Royals. Um, this is what I, I want to say about George Springer, though. I don't know that the impact is felt quite. I, am I? Am I? Is this a take? George Springer could be as impactful, if not more impactful, than any of the guys that you're talking about, the MVP candidates that you're talking about. Because, I mean, we're not 
again, we understand that George Springer is in that MVP candidate conversation. What I'm getting at is George Springer at the top of the lineup in the leadoff spot doing what he does. Is there anybody else? like Because we've seen Altuve at times be able to do But I think George Springer at the top of the lineup represents something that you haven't really seen or feared since the days of Ricky Henderson with the ability to threaten you as far as pitch one, this could be fucking one, nothing real quickly. I'm real. That's last year. Quickly. Not, not talking about for the, for the Houston Astros. Not. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not definitely for the Astros, but like in terms of a dynamic player, that's lead off. Yeah. I just, I, I think with what Springer does defensively for the Astros, because yeah, I just I think he is as important of a piece to them at, that that they have because we've seen them kind of hold water without Correa. We've seen mm-hmm. that happen. Yeah, no, we have. So. Uh, so this is this is a guy that uh, when you lose him and while you've already lost Jose Altuve, it is felt. It is felt, but the Astros are so fucking good that uh, it's it's a, and. It's 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 two things. The Astros are so good on top of there are not very many legitimately competitive teams in the American League. Like you're if you're the Astros and you lose George Springer and Jose Altuve, you're still beating pretty much any other team except for Tampa, Boston and like even Boston they they took care of two out of 3 in Houston. Uh the Yankees and the Minnesota Twins. And maybe the Oakland A's. Probably the Oakland A's, too. Maybe the Oakland A's. That's a maybe on the Oakland A's. I'm, I mean, gonna, I, this, this little go winning streak that Dallas is going to suck his own cock on is literally just a bunch of trash teams that they've just We're had not to... there yet, though. Don't give it any no, we're not, time than it needs. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Is it? Is it seven in a row? You, you couldn't help it. You couldn't help it. Is it seven? Jared, you're, you're cute. You're cute. That's 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 like when that's like when people are like, because I saw you, are, that's like people are like, are you five eight? And it's like, well, hey, easy, come on, he's wearing shoes. Like, I know, I know, you might think five eight, but he is wearing tennis shoes. I saw graphics that said that. ten straight, and then I saw like ESPN said it was seven straight. So oh, ESPN's on fire, by yeah. the way, as far as uh, as far as their ribboning, as far as what they're running across the bottom line these days. Stay hot with the Buckner shit. Do I? I, I we're gonna. We'll get to that a little later, too. Mm. One final note on George Springer. He basically has equaled his wins above replacement total from all of last year in one third of the plate appearances. Uh, that's how productive <laughs> he was. Mm. Um, and the other thing, he's not a center fielder, so he would never be a direct replacement for George Springer. But they, the Astros, in their never-ending wealth, have a guy at AAA currently named Jordan Alvarez. And he is he was thought to be kind of a bat only kind of offensive prospect with some questions about how legitimate that was so far this season. He's hitting 371, 454, 798, which is a 1252 OPS with 20 homers in 47 games at AAA so far. Now, I know the numbers at AAA are a little nutty across the board this season, but every Mm -hmm. every actual report on that guy has been like astoundingly good. So he's a guy to watch. Like maybe, maybe if they need some outfield reinforcements, but, Tyler White's job. Maybe, maybe 
getting caught a little bit from behind here, not, but Alvarez is a guy to watch. And not to go down a rabbit hole here, but remember my point about trying to figure out how you're going to now evaluate yep. players and prospects and their production, their potential yep. production at the next level. This is what happens when you bring those fucking ping pong balls from the big leagues, send them down to AAA and let those motherfuckers start mashing shit that gets left over the plate at just a couple ticks lower on the radar gun. That's the, that slider doesn't quite have the hair to make it to the back foot. Instead, it gets the fucking cabeza dropped on it in the zone. And that's some bitches flying 487 feet into the Jackson Rancheria porch. That's what happens, Jay. That's what happens. Well, Alvarez is playing in the PCL, and nothing mm-hmm. funny with numbers has ever happened there. So, oh God, if you get out of the PCL with well, uh, with your life, you're 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 as a pitcher, you're doing all right. You're doing all right. You probably just skip that level if you're a pitcher at this point. Fuck, um, Luke Weaver. Is Jared still with us? No. I thought he was like intently studying some statistic that had him like totally locked in. And it looks like his face is just frozen. (laughs) There's that barstool internet for you. Yeah. (laughs) We're both, we're both recording via our home internets. And I'm on a fucking hotspot. I'm on a hotspot. (laughs) Yeah. We're getting, we're going to keep assuming this doesn't take too long. We're actually going to just let this one ride. Um, Luke Weaver. Dallas let's just get into it you're the pitcher who cares what Jared has to say about the matter um on the breakout season was happening for the D-backs as part of the Paul Goldschmidt trade uh now on the IL with forearm issues I I mean I know the obvious place we can go with this um what was your reaction upon seeing that news well it's it's uh it's brutal because you're thinking all right this is an opportunity right to see what this kid can really do to see to, to, to frankly, to see what sort of progression you can look forward to. I mean, the kid was throwing the shit out of the ball. Was yeah. he not? No, he really was. It was and, and it was making me in particular and maybe all of us eat a little bit of crow on the Paul Goldschmidt trade with how good he'd been pitching. Well, it was kind of because we were like, you know, it's Goldie and, you know, what, what else? What else yeah. is attractive about this? What else is going to make us look back at that transaction and go, oh. Well, it was fucking Luke Weaver, and he's slapping his D. He's dragging his D and satchel across our face going, hey, guys, uh, yeah, me, pretty good dude, pretty good arm. Obviously, look, we, we, we've we talked about this before, right? The f- forearm strain, I don't even want to get into it, man. You know where that shit can go. You, you, you don't even want to think about that cloud. You hate to think about that cloud. So that, that that's why I, I think it, it's really unfortunate I mean, do we do we have any diagnosis yet? We don't have anything. We have anything. No, I think it's just. I think we're still waiting. I think it's just a. I think they termed it a forearm strain uh, or forearm fatigue pain. uh, I believe it was, but I don't think we've seen anything definitive since then. Like he's going to be out X amount of time. Um, God damn. Yeah, because I mean, if you if you look back, if you look back at like, and and this is what I kind of start to see. You figure out how to finish ball games. You talk about learning how to cl- like finish a ball game, complete a a ball game as a starting pitcher. That is a that is a learned behavior, and uh, I, I mean I I was learning how, and 
you find out so many different things when you get deeper into a ball game, not only about yourself, but about other guys, about, I mean, about umpires at times. There's just, there's a lot of information that you don't, you don't have unless you're in that situation. And he was starting to, and, and this is a, this is a, uh, I guess a grandiose kind of comparison, but he was starting to extend himself deeper into ball games and sure it's early in the season, but if you're starting to finish, six, seven, maybe eight, you're creeping into the eighth, whatever, and, and you're doing that consistently, well, now you're starting to take steps because you're probably facing that lineup for the for the third time, right? And you're starting to learn how to navigate some leverage situations. And I think that's what was exciting is you were starting to see that from Luke. You were starting to see him navigate those choppy waters, come out sparkling, giving his team chances to win ball games and and now you've got this hurdle and that's the fucking that's that's the grind frankly sure so this is this is a very imperfect way of looking at things but you were talking about going deeper into games last year he made 30 appearances 25 of which were starts and he ex- he hit or he hit the 100 pitch mark three times so three times out of 30 appearances this year he'd already done so three times in 11 period uh, games uh. so See, uh, he's fucking learning. He's he's learning. God damn it. So maybe maybe something to that. The velocity, at least on his four seam, uh, and actually across the board, does not seem to be appreciably different than it was last year. Um, one final statistical note on him. There were, uh, among all pitchers to throw at least 130 innings last year, he was 78th in K to walk percentage. Uh, this year, he was 14th, surrounded by... You know names like Zach Granke, um, and pretty good uh, company. Yeah, pretty good not, company. Not terrible. So yeah. that's the brutal part about Luke Weaver hitting the IL with this forearm strain. Yeah, right forearm it, strain. So they're see- they're seeking a second opinion just to kind of close the loop on what you asked about before. We have not gotten that second opinion yet. And that right there, folks, that's the red flag. That's what I don't like. So Jared, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, we just kind of so, kept rolling. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, the the Barstool headquarters. Yeah, it's an we're an Internet company. Yep. We don't have Internet here. So, uh, you know, I usually everyone loves to like when I'm recording starting nine for my apartment because the Internet always works there. Yeah. I will come into the office at like noon or like yep. 1230 yep. and everyone will be like, oh, look, you decided to stroll in. You look at Mr. Lazy. It's like, no. I've been up since eight and we've been doing the podcast for the last three hours uh, because I have working internet at my apartment and I don't come into the office because I don't trust the internet there. And now I come in and this is what happens. Yeah, no, we, we definitely touched on the fact that we were both using home internets, Dallas using a hotspot and it was working better than a nominally professional companies, uh, corporate internet. Yep. Um, but we might be on the receiving end of a snarky Pete Overmeyer tweet if we keep this up. So um, oh, I already, I already, I already texted him about it. I was like, "Is the internet down?" And he said, "No." And I was like, "That's funny because it is." <laughs> <laughs> All uh, business, Pedro. Uh, you arrived. We covered Luke Weaver. Unless there was something passionate you wanted to add about that, you've arrived in perfect time to touch on Dustin Pedroia's comments. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, like losing Luke Weaver is is not ideal, obviously, if you're the D-backs, but it's been fun to watch his renaissance. And this is this is a 
a speed bump in an, in an otherwise very comforting comeback story. Uh, but the Dustin Pedroia stuff, this sucks. It's not fun. It's not um, like I've blindly defended him, which is the only time that I've taken down my guard of being an unbiased national baseball journalist. Uh, I've blindly defended Dustin Pedroia because uh, so here's the thing. A couple of years ago when uh, or this was around like 2016, when I first started doing like radio and TV in Boston and I got like the old ass journalists being like, well, this guy's not here every day. Like he doesn't have press passes and he's not in the trenches. And what does he know? He doesn't cover the team. He's sitting on his couch and blah, blah, blah. And I always thought, you know, first of all, go fuck yourself. Second of all, what I mean, like, what are you really getting that that I'm not from my couch where I'm watching the games and then newsflash? They also stream those press conferences on the Internet and on TV. You don't need to be there. That was my thought process. I still kind of agree with that. But having access to the the Red Sox and and being someone that gets there like fucking seven hours before first pitch because I'm interested in all the little shit that goes on before the games. Um, the one person that I've been able to learn about more and gain an extra appreciation for is Dustin Pedroia. So this guy, I mean, if it's a first pitch at seven, he's out there at one taking grounders there was one day that i went back to fenway park and i got there around like noon uh and and he went out there to take batting practice and this is like i don't know three four weeks ago and he goes out there to take batting practice and there's no one out there to shag fly balls so he gets one of the coaches to throw him bp and he was like, yeah, you want me to go grab some guys to go shag for you? He's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. So he takes BP, does like a full bucket, and then goes out and gets all of his own balls. Just because he like doesn't want to inconvenience people, and he still wants to hit. And he, This is a fucking former MVP who just wants to get his work in and take some cuts at Fenway. And that's why I've, you know, and you've heard all this stuff for years about Dustin Pedroia being a hard worker, being a guy that just loves the game. You can't, you know, you can't take him off the field. This was a guy that in 2010, he, I think he fouled the ball off his instep, broke his foot and he was in a walking boot and he was still taking batting practice, kneeling on a folding chair. He was at second base taking grounders on his knees so that there was no stress on his now broken foot. Uh, he, you know, he's he's played through everything that you can possibly play through. 2013 in the World Series, he had the broken hamate bone. He didn't get surgery until after the season was over. He wanted to play through the postseason. So when you you look at this guy who's still owed uh, 15 million this year. 13 million next year, 12 million the year after, so 25 million total after the season. Write him the damn check. You know, like if he if he can't play another game, which he's sort of alluded to, like, hey, I don't I they straight up asked him, you think you're ever gonna play again? I don't know, not sure. That's the first time since he made his big league debut in t- 2006 where Dustin Pedroia was unable to answer a question about himself without the utmost confidence. That's the first time I've ever fucking heard that out of his mouth, which 
for me was kind of like a feeling of, all right, like this, this might be it. And then on the broadcast, they had Jerry Remy call in and he was talking about a conversation that he had uh, with Pedroia in private. And the conclusion, according to Remy, that what he came away from that conversation with was, I will be shocked if he plays again. So if, if you've got these people, you know, talking about Pedroia up close and personal, and they've gotten this perspective, that's probably it for him. And if it is, I don't want to hear a bad fucking word about him. Uh, And that's where I'm going to come in and say, man, after everything you've just laid out, Jared, it is rather unfortunate that any one member of your fan base could have anything ill to say about him yet here we are i've seen it and that is that is rather unfortunate i go back to when dustin pedroia was drafted because that was an individual who based on looking at him that's where him and tom brady are two peas in a pod right kfc with his tom brady combine bod as i like to say and Dustin Pedroia, these were guys, Pedroia and Brady, that were looked at physically like, how, you're going to do what? Like you play second base, probably because it's as close to first base as we can get you without having to put you at first base because you're fucking 5'6". Well, none of that fucking mattered because old chubby Petey turned into Sir Rakes a lot, turned into the original, the best 1-5, the original laser show, and he never looked back. Never looked back at a Woodland, California, brought championship baseball to Northern California long before the San Francisco Giants ever did. And it was it was amazing to watch him do what he did at the level he did it at. It was an honor and a privilege to share the field with a player like Dustin Pedroia. Which again, Jared, is why it's unfortunate for me to see some of the members of the Red Sox fan base have the opinions they have of this guy and how they could just cast him aside so readily. Um, I'll say this about him: it's a vocal minority. And, yeah, it's but, a but, very, but 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 it's it small just, percentage it, of yeah. Fans. I mean, like like there's it just it's a it's an unfortunate it's a, it's a bad look. It's it's a bad, bad it's a vocal because, minority because it for that guy to do what he's done for that city and for that organization, I, I couldn't I couldn't you are you, it's kind of like practicing stupid. You have to work hard at it and, and like to find something bad about Dustin Pedroia and what he's like. You have to work hard at that and 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 that's what it sounds like some of them are doing. But to the point of him wanting to kind of be out of the way, not wanting to utilize resources, that's the feeling. That is the slow death of a samurai is because you know what you're capable of. You know what you were once capable of. You know that there are now many chinks in this armor. You know that you are trying to piecemeal together some way, some semblance of who you are and who you want to be remembered as. And that's why he's out there doing what he's doing is because he wants to, in my opinion, prove to himself that he could still physically do this at some point in time, but he also wants to go out on his shield. And that means if I just physically can't even get up and hit a bucket of balls tomorrow, 
then that's how I'll fucking go out. But I'm not going out just sitting here not knowing whether I can or not. And I don't need four bat boys. I don't need two of these other guys. I don't need anybody around here watching me take myself out to pasture. Because if he could play tomorrow, Jared, he fucking would. And if there was was room for him to be in that lineup at negative 17%, he would do it just to go out and do it. But part of him also knows, and you've heard him say, I don't, I I don't want to fuck this team. I don't want to hurt the team. Right. And which again is why it's tough. Yeah. And he also said, I know that my knee is never going to heal. Mm -hmm. So this is never going to get better. And, and it's been a, a weird experience for him because one second he'll be walking around saying, yeah, like my knee feels great. And then an hour later he can't even walk. And, you know, the whole, cause I don't understand exactly how the whole contract thing works because when Prince Fielder was forced to retire from injury, he still got paid out. Like he still got like 110 million or whatever it was after he retired. So any yeah, I mean, depending of- on how, yeah, depending on the structure of a contract, there's buyouts, teams have insurance, teams take out insurance policies on contracts. So when things like that happen, teams can recoup some of their losses. Even if they have paid this player out, mm-hmm. they're going through their policy going to recover X amount of dollars on the player or on the contract. So those are all fine, you know, like fine details that, that frankly, I don't even really like to get into because that's, that's a man's money. That's a man's livelihood. He's put himself in a position to earn money in a certain way. Like, and I understand you, you know, supposed to talk about it, whatever, but look, that's like you said, and I couldn't agree more, write the fucking check. Cause I promise you if Alex Cora has his way, Dustin Pedroia is not leaving that dugout. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, he's. I mean, if Dustin Pedroia comes back in a month and says, "Hey, I'm hanging it up. I'm done. I can't do it anymore." Um, Alex Cora is not asking Dustin Pedroia to be. He's not patting him on the back and saying, "Hey, well, best of luck in your future endeavors." He's saying, "All right, well, how about you just fucking pop a squat next to me for the rest of the season?" Well, no, he's not. That's the thing is he's not asking him to do that either. He's he's going to grab PD by the back of the neck. And go, all right, motherfucker, you're now the rookie again. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm gonna carve your locker out of that clubhouse in there, and I'm gonna move it right in here and stick <laughs> it right next to mine. And I'll see you here at the yard tomorrow. What is it? Yeah. Six, seven a.m. Thanks for right. coming out, Petey. Right. Welcome yeah. to your fucking life. And he'll That's... probably beat him to the ballpark. He'll <laughs> you probably fucking... beat him there. Right. I could see I could see Petey and AC figuring out you know, either playing some train dominoes, some Puerto Rican dominoes, or playing some fucking cribbage early yeah. in the yawn yeah. before anybody else shows up. That's the life that I think Dustin Pedroia, if he's um if he's ready for it, he could seamlessly move into right now just because of the relationship he has with AC. Um, but I'll tell you, it's a you just you just mentioned, and I, I think we should kind of move on from this, but he's got three years left of being paid as a player. Mm-hmm. We've seen the Seattle Mariners kind of finagle some things with Ichiro to make some special things happen in terms of player, coach, role, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure they would be able to figure something out. I think the take-home message here for Boston Red Sox fans and for the for that clubhouse is you are who you are right now, and you've been who you've been without him. You've been able to make peace with that. Think about a future with Dustin Pedroia in that dugout and in that clubhouse now as an influential role as opposed to expecting any sort of production out of him. I still think that money he's going to make over the next three years is well worth having that little motherfucker running around that clubhouse. Yeah. 
<laughs> well worth the price of admission. Bet your ass. Yeah. But then the last point here is that this is not just something where it's like, okay, guy gets hurt. He has to retire. He can't play. Uh, this is something he's probably going to have to deal with for the rest of his life. So if there's any like fans out there, they're like, oh, come on. Like he didn't earn his money. Like, no, no, no. He earned his money what? because he gave you his fucking knee. Like he, he didn't earn his money. You. I mean, fuck him giving you his knee. What the guy did on the field. Go fuck. Get, yeah. I can't even hear that. that. That's why. That's why I'm shocked to even hear any vocal minority, anybody, any anybody that's ever watched Dustin Pedroia play a baseball game in a Red Sox uniform should be quartered and shot. If you think at any point in time, he didn't make his fucking money. Get Get right out of town. Every conceivable bad opinion that you could possibly come up with is held by somebody. Mm-hmm. That's somebody true. in the world holds that shitty, dumb opinion. Oh, so. no, there's plenty of people, and they're all fucking stupid. Uh, you know what isn't stupid, though, Dallas? Hmm. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Audible. Omaha. Omaha. Listening. Oh. No. Different audible, different audible listening makes us smarter, more connected people. It makes us better partners, parents and leaders. And there's no better place to start listening than audible. Audible is where so many inspiring voices and compelling stories open listeners up to new experiences and ways of thinking. Audible members now get more than ever before. Members choose three titles every month, one audiobook plus two audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else members also have limited access to more than a hundred audio guided fitness and meditation programs i've actually i've dabbled with some of this shit dallas and it works bro i mean you're 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 preaching to the choir here come on you know how close i am to mother earth being able to being able to center yourself uh it it helps trust me somebody who needs i'm sure that jay has probably done some audio meditation as well yeah, he's, he's a fucking long-haired. Absolutely. Yeah. Audible delivers bestsellers, business, self-improvement, memoirs, and more, all professionally narrated by actors, authors, and motivational superstars like Rachel Hollis, David Goggins, and Mel Robbins. David Goggins. Get some D-Gogs in you. You ever, you, ever, you ever listen to him? No. <laughs> it gets you it gets you right it gets you fucking real right audible members can also get free access to the new york times wall street journal and washington post delivered daily to the audible app with the convenient app members can access audible anytime at the gym while commuting on the go and on any device it will always pick up right where they left off audible also offers free and easy audiobook exchanges credits you can credits you can roll over for a year and a library you can keep forever even if you cancel explore all the ways listening on audible can help improve your mind body and soul with entertainment information and inspiration Ooh, yeah start listening with a 30-day audible trial and your first audiobook plus two audible originals are free visit audible.com slash starting nine Start listening with a three thirty day audio audible trial and your first audiobook plus two audible originals are free. Visit audible.com slash starting nine or text starting nine 
to 500-500. That is audible.com slash starting nine or text starting nine to 500-500. Whew. Yeah, you got to uh, <laughs> made it out. Yeah, and- audiobooks are great because you don't have to read them. <laughs> and and if you listen to David Goggins, he would have you ready to just ready to face fuck every ad read that ever came across Jared. He's, you want to talk about getting yourself motivated? Get some D-Gogs in your former former Navy SEAL. Oh, ultra marathon runner, like just a a fucking lunatic. Love that. Yeah. Love that. You know what else I love? Dansby Swanson. I love his flow. I love his scent. Mm. I love his accent. Uh, there's there's a lot about him that I love. Mm. No, he's... Uh, I think that was the first question that I asked him. I think I was like, I asked him about his hair right off the bat. Yeah, he's got that Vandy swag. You know how they, you know how them boys do. Yeah, no, I do. I do. Shout out Vandy. Shout out Dansby Swanson, our guest this week on Starting Nine. Dansby Swanson of the Atlanta Braves with us right now. Uh, first things first, man. What's it like to have the best flow in Major League Baseball? Like, you I'm think that? Jealous you think that? Who, who, would, who would have better flow? Uh, I'm going to go with Grant Holmes just off the bat. Oakland A's. Uh, Oakland right, so like, picture. like a real take, not a biased take. Who do you think <laughs> rivals you for flow right now? Uh, honestly, I think Mike's win. Charlie Culberson. Yeah, he's got great like hair. He's your stunt double. It's yeah. very different, though. Yeah. We have very different hair. How? And people... Texture? Um, In my opinion, his lays down. Okay. Mine doesn't. Mine, like, when it like, grows out, it just, like, keeps getting bigger. Has That's body. Fine. Yeah. Has balance. Yeah, it's thick. Okay. Has he thick. ever come to you and been like, dude, I was walking by BP and everyone keeps yelling dance me at me? It happens every day. <laughs> and honestly, it's not even fans. It's, like, coaches. The, like, really? Get another one dancing. Charlie's like, that's me. That's, that's Charlie's, <laughs> Charlie yeah. today. Like, but, yeah. Well, I'm serious. I mean, just watching you all screw around out there and, and get your work in before, like, there's I, legit, like, you take the it's, name off the back, you take the number, mm-hmm. you're fucking 1A and 1A. Like, yeah. I mean, I had, like, you know how they do the, uh, they had the pamphlet or whatever, and it was half yeah. of his and half of mine. I mean, it took me, like, a minute to see. <laughs> really? Like, like, yeah. was, because, it, like, it's pretty, it's pretty freaky. Yeah. I that mean, would like, me out. But, up, so, outside of the Braves, though, who, who rattles you? Uh, I'm trying to think who else has good hair. You know, he, I think he cut it off, but Rendon used to have great hair. Yeah. He used to have, like, he the long, yeah, the yeah, long, yeah. like, black no, duck tail flip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. No, he had good hair. Why, uh, why don't we see that as much anymore? Like, I feel like we see a lot in, like, high school and college, like, the flip out the back. You don't really see that in the big leagues as much. I don't, I think it's, like, just with everything, like, there's, like, this trend, you know, of, like, how you dress. And, mm-hmm. like, I think it's the same thing in, like, men's style. Like, everyone's, like, on this, like wave of having like one side shaved down and like you got something going over this way and it's just to me it's like it's a certain buttoned up look like guys like to look buttoned up in one way and i just do it i go way. i go edgy sweaty i like to <laughs> i like to <laughs> not grow in certain areas do what you do and that's that. uh we were down there watching you guys take infield and uh you know i was looking around like name wise it's like Fucking Atlanta Braves have one of the best infields in baseball. Sex. Like it just it just slapped me right in the Sexy, face. Like, right? Can you feel that when you're out there when you're looking at like you know you got Don sitting out in the hot corner? It's like these are guys like we, everywhere. We got a good team. Like and and, and it's kind of one of those things because we didn't have all the sexy offseason signings. Yeah. We didn't go out and trade for this and get these pieces because we already have them all. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's and it's, and it's 
more of uh, being able to kind of really, really, really put it together. But you know, there's a reason why they didn't want to get rid of some of the young arms. There's a reason why they didn't want to just go out and sign all these people because we have the players. It's yeah. just a matter of trusting the process of we're still young and you're still growing up and you're still learning how uh, to make your mark in this game. And like you said, you look around and it's like, you got Freddie, who's a perennial all-star, uh, now a Gold Club winner. You got Ozzy, who's coming to us on, myself, Camargo, uh, JD, you know, at third base, too. Like, the depth is, is tremendous. And then you had Charlie, who's like our Swiss Army knight. Yes. Like, yes. like it's, it's, it's crazy. Marco that, too. Like, Marco's that, like, it's, uh, I didn't realize you know, that depth, depth is, oh, and he, he knows one speed. No, but it's, it's cool to, like, be around that. It's cool to, like, have competition. Like, sure. everyone enjoys competition. That's why we do yeah. what we do. And so when you have within your own team, too, like, in the right manner, then, right. you know, it, it makes everything quick. So that's something I kind of wanted to tap into is the culture that you guys have working here because you've tapped into that already talking about not wanting to get rid of these young guys for more than just their production and their capability, but probably because of who they are as humans. What we took away from today early, I was, I was nudging Jerry, bro, infield outfield right now. This is infield outfield in the big leagues we're taking in right now. Like that shit gets me hard. I love every minute of that. What What is that like having these young guys around that do just want to grind the axe? You're here to get the ball. I, I've never really been around uh, in professional baseball and like seen it from afar where from top to bottom you're like full of a team with great people and I think that uh, you know like just playing like there's always a couple guys you're like they just don't really fit in like literally everyone gets along and people talk about people almost see that as like our weakness like don't you need a villain on the team don't you need a or like no like we're like one big family out there like it doesn't matter where you come from doesn't matter what language you speak like I got your back you got you got mine uh, we're all like great friends. Like we, we literally all we do is talk shit to each other. Like the entire time. Like that's all we do. Love that's it. All we do. Love that's it. All we do. Can you can you explain? Because seriously, I think people lose sight of what it means to have that sort of camaraderie. What it means to have that energy in a clubhouse. Over one sixty two. That's a grind, my brother. You yeah. know this. So explain. Mid August. Right. Mid August. The numbers don't look great. Your ERA's north of seven. You're wondering why the hell you're here. The guys in the clubhouse are crushing yeah. you, and that makes it better. Explain it, that. I think the easiest way to explain it is, like, when you come home from a long day of work, and, like, you can just come home and, like, kick it with your boys, and you, everything's, like, carefree. Yeah. That's how it is when you show up to the yard. And it's like, we still get all of our work done. And you may think that we're being playful, but that doesn't take away from our focus. It doesn't take away from our work. It doesn't right. take away from our grind. And so, but, but being able to do that, it, like, keeps, like, the innocence of it all, you know, sure. because... You got a Cunha and Ozzy, you know, <laughs> jacking around in the dugout, like, but that's just them. Right. And then you got, like, me and Camargo, like, giving everybody a hard time. You got Wash, who, like, oh. plays into it all. You know, like, he looks, him and EY, like, everybody just likes to talk traps to each other. Like, I mean, if it, it, Wash it to bad fungo, like, the whole team's oh, like, you know, like, that's <laughs> the thing. Like, like, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, right. nobody's safe. Like, uh -huh. yeah. like it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter if you're the one writing the check, like nobody's safe. It's all, yeah, well, I mean, we saw, no, we saw that today. You guys yeah. were the, you know, the, the bare hand drills once you're wrapping up into the outfield and you see Freddie come in, yeah, bare like, hands oh, one, <laughs> spikes it, <laughs> it gets bodied up in the dish, and he's like, oh, fuck And everybody around the infield's losing their shit. That's awesome. We're, yeah. It's fucking February. It's March, yeah. and that's where we're at. No, and, that that, so that, and that's just what we do. And like, that's why I think like we produced like, so much energy last year, especially just in the city itself, because like, it's a genuine thing. You know sure. when it's forced, like, the whole, like, energy. Like, when it's yeah, forced, yeah, yeah, yeah. people are like, come on. Right. Like, well, I mean, you can see through that. But with us, like, it's so uh, just real and genuine, which is which is dope. How, how much, uh, talking about Wash, because I love him, Ron Washington, one yeah. in yeah. the titty, yeah. man, no doubt. 
how much has he helped you as far as establishing or refining a routine or a way to look about how you're going about your work? Because that's a different set of eyeballs on you now. Obviously, the respect for you and what you can do on the playing field. What has he meant to polishing your craft? I think uh, I think two things. Like he's still the old school. Like you got to work. Oh yeah. And I, and I think that sometimes like. It was like the preacher moment. Like sometimes, like we forget that like work is what it gets you to where you want to be, and it like allows you to stay on top of your game. Like people just think that things come easy, like because we don't want. You know, like no, like we were there at two o'clock doing them in the game at seven. Like we were there five hours before yeah. working for what we want, you know. And and he really keeps um, that genuine feel of we're gonna work to become better. Like you have to work on your fundamentals every day, and not that you need to do a hundred of them, but you need to refine those skills every day to where. When you're playing, it comes natural, and you can act off instincts. And the other thing I'd say that he's done is mentally, he's so great with, like, there's no perfection in baseball. Like, it's all about the progress. There's no perfection. You can practice perfect, but you're not always going to play perfect, and that's okay. Like, it's about the body of work. He always says it's the body of work. It's not one play. It's a body of work. And he's always like, and you can play. You know, that's what he's like, you got the body of work. Like, you may have messed that one up, but you can play. You know, like, yeah, so he uh, he's just always so positive, and especially in this game, like I mean, you know, like the failure is 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 there. So yeah. the positivity has to be around all the time. Yeah, yeah at least. Yeah, and people people don't realize that. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. yeah. What's uh, what's your best wash story? <laughs> My best wash story. Honestly, I think I think I'll say the funniest thing that's happened was last year Ozzy hits a walk off home. And he's rounding third base, and he takes his helmet off and just flips it at Watts like that. Makes Watts scary as hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. so, so the next day we were doing our hitters meeting or whatever, and they flipped it on and Watts about lost his damn mind. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was like, like everybody, everybody finally saw what actually yeah. happened, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was great. He was like, if you ever do that, I'm going to kick it. I got uh, to check your petty meter right now. If you, a lot of guys, when they get traded, I've asked some guys, and they've said, yes, I keep tabs on the guy that I got traded for. Some guys, I don't really care. Do you ever keep tabs on, like, who you got traded for to see if you're doing better than them? No, I don't care. It's just out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, I, uh, I'd say my petty meter is more... Um, being traded doesn't change the vision of what I wanted to become, like, my whole life. So, at that, the actually getting traded was, like, it, it hurt for me personally because I left a place uh, that I loved a lot in Randy, you know, and, like, my loyalty was there, and I'm like, oh, loyalty kind of, like, runs my blood. So, I got traded, like, whenever people don't treat me the same as I've treated them, like, it, that, that hurts, like, because I feel like if I give you the respect, like, I feel like I deserve that back. Um, and that's what really bugged me with it because my whole life, like, I had just given everything to what I wanted to become and doing it together. And then, real quick, I learned that, like, that's not exactly how it always is. Right. Um, and, too, you know, people always talk about, like, oh, you're back in Atlanta. It's like, yes, but no. Because it's not the, it's not the like, ticker question friends because I keep my circle tight. And, like, that's not a big deal. My family, uh, they get it. They all play it in college athletics. So, like, they get sports. And they don't bug me. They hardly even come to the games anyway. Um, they, they, they prefer to watch at home. Like, mom and dad still got to work, you know. So, like, they, like, they like to go to bed. They don't want to deal with traffic um, and all that stuff. The biggest thing really is, like, it's changed life for, like, going to the grocery store. Like, I can't just go and, like, buy my groceries or, like, go to, like, Target. Uh, I remember I walked into a movie a movie theater one time, and this kid was like, what, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching a movie. Don't I'm, watching like, I'm watching a movie. Like, I, I live a normal life, too. You know, like, I can do other things. So, 
that part is is what's taken a lot like getting used to is like things have just completely changed as far as living just like the normal day to day. Sure. What was it uh, because I think you're gonna and you're finding this out if you haven't already and you've you've got the attitude. You understand that the business side of this thing creeps in probably a hell of a lot quicker than you would like right. to consider. Right. So one one big move. Jared and I were talking about that. When, if, and if not, when do you think you might start to be able to say or understand being traded is not a knock on me. This isn't because I'm not good enough. This is actually because I'm so fucking good. Somebody else realizes what kind of impact I can have for them. Has has that started to permeate in your head? Are you in that headspace? Are you still like, you know what? I got that chip and I'm going to grow. I think... um, Honestly, at the end of the day, for me, was it wasn't the the one one uh, getting traded like put a chip on my shoulder. I think that I was in the mindset of I didn't I didn't know how to handle the pressure of all of a sudden like I was like literally like the savior of Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, that's what it felt like because you know I hadn't even played a game a day in the big league yet. Uh, I mean, obviously, I felt like I was ready, like because who wouldn't? Like every athlete, like no matter when, like you feel like you're ready. Um, I'm like, hadn't even played. I'm on like billboards in Atlanta, and I'm like, okay, like it's kind of weird, but sure, you know, like, let's go with it. And I think that it kind of put unrealistic expectations. Like if we're being honest, it, it put some unrealistic expectations. And so the biggest thing that I've had to come into mentally is like, only thing that matters is my expectations for myself and my standards because. At the end of the day, like, people are going to say whatever they want no matter what you do, whether it's great, whether it's terrible. Like, people are going to say, people are going to either love you, hate you, or just be in between. Um, I really realized that when I went to the Super Bowl this year, and this lady sitting behind me, and they're like, they're like, Tom, you're such a bum. Like, it's a Patriots fan. Like, talking about Tom Brady's a bum. And I'm like, I mean, I'm not the biggest Patriots fan. But I'm like, sitting there like, if, if, if a Patriots fan is dogging Tom Brady right now, then like, what would I ever it's have to worry about? You know, day. Yeah, what would I ever have to worry about if like that's going on? So that that's honestly been the biggest adjustment. It's like, all right, put everything else aside. Let's focus on what I view as success, expectations, standards, the whole thing, and that's what we're gonna rock with. Yeah. Not left, not right, just straight ahead. Um, if you could go back in time to witness any moment in baseball history live in person, what would it be? Oh, wow. Um, I would honestly say, that's tough. Two things. One, I think it would be really cool. I mean, I was one when it happened, but I would love to be able to witness the Braves win a championship. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially being from Atlanta. Like, I'm, I'm in Atlanta homer. I think everyone knows that. Like, I, <laughs> sure, we got I it. love the yeah. city of Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, the other thing I, I would really love to have, like, been side by side, like, watching Jackie Robinson go through yeah. all this stuff. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the more you, like, think about it, like, incredible. I would incredible. say that's a, probably, because we ask that question every guest at the end of the interview. We get that. That's probably the most picked answer that we It is. And you know, want to know, you know what? I'll, I'll share this with you. I appreciate that answer because I am the, the romantic of the group here, like I'll make love to baseball and the romantic <laughs> side of it every night before I'll even open up uh, anything that shows me numbers. So I love to hear ball players still, even this day, tied to how important that was right. for our game, for teammates that we've had, and just the ability to be yourself on a well, baseball. And, and and I think that's 
I mean, I went to a predominantly, you know, black high school, so I was the only white guy on the basketball team. You know, and and just like seeing just the opportunities that like that has given so many people, and like like I said, like not only does it allow some of my teammates to be who they are and play freely, but it almost like allows myself to be who I am because sure. you know we're not all boxed up, we're not all meant to be the same. Like that's what makes each of us like unique and the whole thing. It's like, and if you let those personalities shine, like that's what makes our team special. I know here, but just in general, like that's why baseball players. Oftentimes, like, we are the way we are right. because of, of things that happened in the past. And I think that it's incredible how we pay homage to him every year. But just to really understand, like, the impact that he gave, yeah. uh, not only on this community, but, like, talk about just across the world. Like, yeah. it, it, it's remarkable. So Transcendent. The yeah. last thing we do like, to, that, that is one of the last things we ask. I want to ask you this. You've got any pitcher, past or present, that you want to step in the box and dig in against? That I want to want to. You're, I mean, if it's a challenge, I mean, you know, pitchers like yeah. real Swanee, we're we're gonna it's win. That I want to see that pitcher. pitcher. Think we're I gonna can... shove. We're gonna yeah. shove. We're gonna deal. You're probably not gonna come out on top, but <laughs> this is the guy that you're looking to swear up. Um, I think co- competitively, I would love to. I would love to face Chapman. Never have. Ooh. So I would. I would love. Um, just your best, my best. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the sure thing. Going Maddox there. No, I, I, I just. I've never faced them, and I think that at the end of the day, uh, if you want to be the best, you got to be one of the best, right? Um, have you faced Jordan Hicks? Jordan Hicks, also another fellow. Yeah, Turned yeah, around 105 I have. movement. Yeah, I have. Um, How'd that work out? I ground out the third. I mean, that's I a ground out the third. Contact. Contact. That is a win. I ground out the third. And then I, I faced Craig Kimbrell um, twice. I got him once. He got me once. So it's no, it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a ninety eight or ninety nine, right? Uh, no, but I, I would just love to see what I mean. Like I said, I've never faced him, so that's one of those things. Like I would just love the. I mean, it's just it's it's, it's a challenge. Yeah, that's all. I mean, I get it. I challenge. That's that's what that's what you look for. Yeah, so. Hell yeah, Dansby Swanson. Thank you so much for coming Thanks, on. Man. We uh, here's your goal. You got to get to the All Star game this year. So we hang out. Well, yeah, because we were on like a time restraint today. We get you at the All Star game. You guys are just sitting around most of the time. Well, because this was a lot of fun. I feel like we have a lot of stuff we got to talk about. Oh, we got a lot of things. Yeah, we have a lot more to talk about. We only scratch the surface. Dansby Swanson, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, big thanks to Dansby Swanson for coming on Starting Nine. Uh, shout out Atlanta Braves fans. We get a, a lot of merch requests from Atlanta Braves fans, and I definitely want to put out some new Braves merch. Um, there are some restrictions that we have. Obviously, we can't do player likeness yet. We can't use player names yet. And I think uh, Acuna Matata is trademarked, so we can't do that either. But we'll figure something out. I definitely want to put Fred, more Baby Braves merch. Freddie Freeballing? Is that <laughs> Freddie Freeballing? <laughs> should like trademark that now. <laughs> I just did trademark. Should trademark. 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 Uh, you, you, mean to tell, you mean to tell me that listening to Dansby Swanson speak to you and make eye contact with you didn't make you wish that he took you to high school prom, Jared? No, like, I, I, just, I would love that. Just a a fucking gentleman and a scholar, like mm-hmm. a dude that you can tell is genuinely excited to talk about baseball. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, he's a, he's a hunk of beef is kind of what I'm getting at. Jerry. Ooh. Speaking of hunk of beef, Omaha, Omaha, I'm talking about Omaha steaks, Caribous mm. and you grounds crew. 
me tell you something right now. If you are looking for an easy, affordable way, trust me, I understand, affordable way to stock up for the summer, you're not rolling out with David Goggins and Rogan and Cameron Haynes taking down pigs and bears and shit. So what's the next best thing? Omaha Steaks. Why? Because you can consume them. You can give them as a gift. It's the best deal going right now as far as the meat game is concerned. Is a no butcher. Special occasions made easier since 1917. Thanks to our folks at Omaha Steaks. Right now, Omaha Steaks is giving a limited time Father's Day gift offer to my listeners, our listeners. That's you guys and gals. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code starting nine in, in the search bar for 74% off. 74% off the Father's Day steak fix gift package. It's a $235 value, homies, for 60 bucks. All right? There's some options in this offer. So you need to understand. If you order now, you'll get two tender fillets, two bowl top sirloins, two savory pork chops, four Omaha steak burgers, four massive gourmet jumbo franks, four crispy chicken fried steaks, all beef meatballs, four premium chicken breasts, bread it up, four caramel apple tartlets for dessert, a packet of Omaha steaks, signature seasoning for your bush, and you'll get four extra Omaha steak burgers for free. Give this amazing gift as a gift for dad. Stock up for yourself, for the boys in the club. Doesn't matter. All of it, 74% off. Omaha steaks deliver 100% guaranteed world-class steak burgers, franks, and more. Order with confidence, folks, and an appetite from America's original butcher. Again, order now. You get this exclusive Omaha Steaks Father's Day steak gift package valued at $235 for just a low, low price of $60. That's $59.99. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. Go to omahasteaks.com, type starting nine in the search bar to get the Father's Day steak fix package today. Mm. Mm. Speaking of meaty, yep, this mm. Vogelbach motherfucker, Jesus Christ, he is a behemoth. Did you see the home run that he hit on Monday night? Yeah, there's there's been like uh, three people, maybe four people, and three. like a guy and, and like a guy with a hot dog launcher that have ever launched anything up into that fucking area of of uh of C- in seattle here's the list my god number one carlos on. Delgado. oh carlos number two movon movon number three Mo daniel vogelbach i mean and if look look so he's in the al west obviously i get i i see this guy a ton mm. i remember seeing him last year and just thinking to myself where the fuck did this guy come from? Mm-hmm. Like, like, <laughs> like, and and it's great because I mean he's like you, you watch him. I, I watch him during BP. I've, I've actually kind of stood out in center field and kind of peeked in and watch him get his work in in the cage out there as well. Um, like he he knows what he's doing. He's got he's got a feel. I mean, for for Christ's sake, he's a fucking big leaguer. You don't need me to tell you that. Mm-hmm. But he he is just he's one of those dudes where like, I, I love this dude. This is a guy who I think every, every dad should have his Jersey. Yeah. You know what I mean, every dad should okay. have his Jersey. Yes, absolutely. Every plumber, this needs to be every plumber's favorite fucking player because you just, you look at him and you're like, Nope, 
no chance. And then, and then you watch him get it going. You watch him get it moving, and you're like, oh, if he runs into something, it's gonna fucking hurt. It's gonna be noisy, and it is, and Man. it is. He's short to it. You know what I mean? He's not a extremely long levered individual. No, you know he's got. Uh, he doesn't have extremely long arms. I guess is what he's I'm getting. At. Like Shrek. <laughs> I wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm just saying in, a, in I, the most loving way possible. He's built like Shrek. I saw him. Uh, I think he was just like standing over at first base when the Mariners were in town and he was a mountain of a man. Like I was looking at this, at, at that guy uh, and he reminded me of Braun Strowman's dad, who is like a legendary softball. Like he's, he's like the Babe Ruth of, of like men's softball. Like he looks like, he could be, uh, you know, you go down the road on a Sunday morning and there's old Daniel Vogelbach fucking playing beer league softball with the, with the guys from the factory. Him, him and uh, him and Luke Voigt look like, oh, my uh, look, God, they, they look like a couple of guys. But they, they look like like a progression of a creative player, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> like you start, <laughs> you, like you start with Vogelbach and you end up with you end up with Voigt like it's. If baseball doesn't work out for either one of those guys, their phone is going to light up, and Vince McMahon is going to be on the other end. Oh yeah, yeah, and I and I and I love I love Vogel. Like he hit a uh, he hit a big bomb off Lou Trevino earlier in the year, and and he fucking crushed it. And he was jazzed, and he had his fucking arms going, and he was pumped and yelling at the dugout and shit. And you know, like I've said before, I don't fuck. Hey, you don't like that shit happening? Keep the ball in the yard. And this is as an opposing broadcaster. I was like, dude, kind of like this guy. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> honestly because uh, there was I don't for the starting nine listeners. I think it was either one podcast or two podcasts ago. Um, I put out the call. I was like, there's one guy that I want to interview in Cleveland, and uh, his name is Trey Mancini. We might be getting Trey Mancini. Hey Trey. Uh. Yeah, that was instant feedback. That was instant, just like, oh yeah, no, 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 we'll make it happen. All right, cool. So Trey Mancini would uh be on the lookout for that one. On now deck. put up a call for Daniel Vogelbach. Vogie, come on. Like I want to interview him in person and I'll sit next to him just to give you perspective as to how big he is, because I'm roughly the size of Brock Lesnar. So if he's sitting next to me. What might he look like? Right. Well, it's it's exactly it's, it's the old dick next to the TV remote trick. Yeah, it, it would essentially look like the mountain versus the hound, right? Yeah. It's like, wow, you see them on, on separate, you see them in separate shots, you're like, this is two behemoths here. Mm-hmm. But but then you see them in the same shot and you're like, right. Wow. Perspective. Perspective. It's so important. <laughs> Major key. <laughs> Uh, this is, I guess, the part of the podcast. The whole fucking uh, today. Uh, today is going to be sixty and rainy, and then tomorrow is going to be eighty-five and humid. I mean, it does a it does a real number on my throat. Unbeaten streak, Carabas. Unbeaten streak. Some might call it a winning streak, but not as many are as good as the Oakland A's, where we can actually stash wins away for a rainy day. Like we're just sitting on a W in Detroit, you know. May or may not. What's kind of cool about that is that'll get made up in September, and you can bet your ass some September call-up is going to come up and actually make history and make his debut in a time machine, probably back 
in that day that's suspended in the seventh inning. We'll win that ball game, just tack it on to this nice little run they're on. But as of right now, since May 16th, Jared, Jay Hay, the Oakland A's have not lost a fucking ball game. Not a oon. Not a single. <gasps> Grab your green hat, Jared. We're going streaking. That's right. Jay Hay. You ready for a tasty little nug, huh? Oh, I've been so ready. That's right. Sit down. Grab your silverware. I'm cooking dinner tonight, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) On this nice little streak here, this is the third most home runs of any streak of six or more wins since 1908. Wow. That's a for you. 22 long balls during this streak. Can you guess the streaks that had more? No, you can't. That's that's a tough game. <clears throat> I'll help you out. They had 25 homers in a 2009 game winning streak. So in 2000, they had a nine game winning streak. They hit 25 homers during mm-hmm. that streak. Mm-hmm. And then during the famous 20 game win streak in 02, they hit 30. So it's crazy to think right now at a 10-game unbeaten clip, they've hit 22 long balls, and you actually double that figure back in 02, and they've only hit 10, they only hit 10 more home runs, or less than 10, eight more home runs. Um, so it's been quite a power uh productive moment for the Oakland A's, and they're getting it in a lot of different areas right now, which is really cool. Uh, Jared created a nice little segment about showing love to folks. You remember I told you to be on the lookout for a guy named Josh Fegley, a.k.a. the Fegasaurus. I'd like to to say that we also laughed and it's not funny anymore. Yeah, it ain't ain't (laughs) funny anymore because it's fucking real. That's fucking real. That's because right now, Josh Fegley is the best offensive producing catcher in the American League. That may be a little biased. I think it is. I feel like that's a bet to me. So the Fegasaurus, a.k.a. the Fegasus, doing work. One of just many. But during this streak, Frankie Montas. Frankie Montas might be kicking around in the starting AL All-Star conversation. It may be a little early, but I'm going to throw him in that conversation. 2-0, 14 and two-thirds innings pitch, 19 punch-outs, only two walks, not a single fucking log ball, sub-two ERA, opponents hitting 170 against the guy, slashing 170, 214, 264. It's minimalist, minimalist. The starters, Brett Anderson, Chris Bassett, Daniel Mingdon, these dudes have been carving as well, but you've gotten some love from the bullpen. Bookter, Hendricks, Sori has been outstanding during this nice little run as well. So I know what folks are going to say. I know what a, a certain someone likes to point out, the teams and the competition. Well, like I like I always whoa, whoa, whoa. say. Wait, 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 what are you trying to say? Don't, don't dance around a point, Dallas. Wait, what, oh, who are you oh, referring to? Oh, uh, can you turn that up, Jay? Hey, you, you hear that song? You're so vain. You probably <laughs> think this song was about you. I, I don't know who I was talking just, about. You, uh, yeah, I'm little, not, I was not implying oh, that you were talking yeah, about me. Oh, I was just okay. trying to say, like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, oh. if you're gonna make jabs, like, let's make some jabs. Let's make some headlines oh, no, no, here. No, it's, for, it's for the for the good of the podcast. That's all I'm saying is those are things that people like to point out. And mm-hmm. what I'd like to point out is 
this is just a team who's supposed to be taking care of business, mm-hmm. taking care of business. And it, it, it sure it's unfortunate. It, it's against the lowly AL central, you know, the likes of the Detroit Tigers and the <laughs> Cleveland Indians. Uh, and the, and the, and the mayor. I mean, yeah, sure. But what you're seeing is what we saw a lot of last year that I told you to be, mm-hmm. to be scared of, which is an entire group of guys just getting better together well you're seeing a guy named matt chapman yeah take his game to the next fucking level which is scary because there's not many levels to take it to already if you're matt chapman where he's at we're talking about platinum level defense but here's some more notes for you jay hey you ready for seconds yeah 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 (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) matt chapman's walk percentage is up to 11 percent from nine percent last year k percentage down to 16 percent all the way from 24% last year. Soft contact rate is down. Medium contact rate is up. The hard hit rate is holding steady. The medium contact rate being up and the soft contact rate being down is something to think about because the homer to fly ball ratio... Uh, I'll let is, you know what I'm going to think about and not think yeah, about. Yeah, well, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm telling you what to think about. It, he's hitting the ball in the air. He's hitting the ball really fucking hard. They're going far. It's going to continue to happen. He's handling pitches at the top of the strike zone. That was the step that I wanted to see him make from his rookie year. And he has made that to the point where Matt Chapman's extra base hits, 72% of his hits are extra base hits on elevated fastballs since last year. That's the best in baseball. Nobody better. Nobody better. 60% of the non-routine plays made on defense, the best in baseball since the all-star break. There's just nobody better on the other side of the ball. That's not my opinion. Those are just facts, folks. So when you're seeing this kind of shit put together, Steven Piscotty, 23-game on base streak, that's the best in baseball and a career high. Laser Ramon, 10-game hitting streak. He had five doubles in six games is the first time that had happened in fucking eons in Oakland. It's been a total team effort is what I'm getting at. And am I buying in? You bet your sweet ass I'm buying in because we've got Sean fucking Manaya, Jarrell fucking Cotton, Daniel fucking Gossett, and a list of others all on the comeback. Don't think about it. Forget about baby Jesus. Did you forget about my baby Jesus, Jared Grabbis? Sure didn't. Oh, fuck. Nah, don't forget about him because he's, he's coming. What about what about AJ cycle the puck? Huh? He's coming too. Isn't he He's like coming, you hear six that? eight? Yeah. The big boy. So we got reinforcements coming as well. So am I buying in? You bet your sweet ass I'm buying in. Let you, me I never thought in a million years that the A's would get off to a slow start, have a week and a half of good baseball, and then magically Dallas Braden is just back in. I never left. I got a question for you. Here, here's a take. Is it fair to say possibly that the key, the most, the biggest difference between this year's team and last year's team, if it bends the right way for them, is that Frankie Montas is unlike anybody who was starting games for the athletics last season? Yes, that is a very fair statement because was there anybody last year that we were even moderately considering for an all-star nod out of the rotation? These are guys that you were extremely happy with their performance based on who they were, where they're at in their career, and you're taking their production kind of on a day-to-day basis, right? And it was it was panning out. 
you were excited about it. Well, what you're seeing from Frankie Montas are these are signs of a guy who is ready to cement himself not only in a rotation, but in the big leagues because he's made the adjustment by finding that third pitch, finding that split, and he's taken off. He has taken off. The command is there, and and, and that has been the, the the biggest separator for guys on the mound early in their career is do you have a third pitch? Can you flip the line up the third time? And can you command the baseball? Can you graduate from control to command? And he is making he's getting ready to turn that tassel. That's the that's that is what it is. All right, that's been quite enough of blowing the athletics. Uh one final note, maybe maybe sobering, maybe just, you know, will bring us back to reality a little bit. The 10-game winning streak has upped the Athletics' odds of making the postseason from 6.4% to 16.0%. To what? 16%. Less than one in five. So, got to keep it going. Maybe 20 or 30 straight wins is what we need. Um, Minnesota Twins. Oh, that's the other team we got to talk about, right? I yeah. feel like you, I feel like you were I feel like you were like like looking at a picture of me when you wrote this rundown, Jay. Mm. Why is it? It's a very ugly rundown. Oh, oh. oh. I mean, come on, what else was I supposed to say to that? Oh, oh. okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you know, I I am coming to the ceremony where you commit to another person for the rest of your uh, life, right? Yeah. Oh, you, oh, that got that. Oh yeah. shit! That it made it all the way. Out. Made it all the way. Yeah, made it all the way. Yeah. Shit! I paid. I paid the guy not to no. deliver that one. Mama Jets, we love you, girl. That's uh, right. Shoot. Oh, but the Minnesota Do Twins boys. One to that. No, Dallas might plus one. Yeah, Dallas. <laughs> you're you're part of like a three person thing. Okay. Dallas, his wife, and you. Okay. Yes. Yeah, is is it just going to be me and Kravis at our well, own you table? Can actually, separate? you can think of Clancy as your plus one. <laughs> oh, he's he's coming as well. All right, yeah, yeah this will be fun. Yeah. Oh, oh God, I can't wait. Speech, uh, speech. Oh, it's going down, going down, kind of like the Minnesota Twins competition. We're talking about uh, the best team in baseball right now, boys. The best team in baseball. Who saw this coming? We don't need to talk about that. We're here to talk. I mean, about- hold on, time out. Nobody. And I mean, yeah, nobody yeah. like saw the Minnesota Twins being this good. <laughs> Dallas, you might have thought that they would have been competitive. No one was like, yeah, you know, the Minnesota Twins, best team in baseball. Uh, their offense is going to be relentless. Best batting average home runs per game. <laughs> OPS uh, runs scored per game across the board. Probably number one in baseball. Nobody. And I, I told mean, you. Nobody thought that that was going to happen, but it's happening. I mean, they fucking hit like 15 home runs a game. It's crazy what they're doing <laughs> offensively with. They are a team that they're basically just a bunch of number five and six hitters, but they're all like it's there's length to the lineup. There's consistency in their performances, and it seems like every single night you got a new hero who's hitting a fucking pissed missile and minnesota twins another w in the call this is this is exactly look now did i expect them to be the best team in baseball no you're correct all right i'm not that fucking good i did expect a lot of these individuals i guess to make the strides that they have made and i 
feel like the impact that I thought Nelson Cruz was going to have was made, has been felt. But this run has also been without Nelly, right? Yeah, for the, he's I been, mean, a lot of it, yeah. He's been down. He's, so, played, he's played like 35 of their 52 games, I think it is. Right. So, so three games, you, you, you look at, you look at the lineup and you look at the roster and you're saying to yourself, all right, did we see this coming? Did we see the Polanco coming? Did we see the Rosario coming? And you know, whether you did or not, look, look, I, I understand. But the point that I was trying to make was guys are making strides. Guys are going to get better. And I always, again, go back to the, go back to the Oakland situation where, you know, guys just developed together and you saw a progression made. I, I was waiting for that to happen here, thinking that that could be something that's happened here. And I, and I do feel like that is what we are bearing witness to all of Max Kepler, all of the Polanco, all of the Rosarios. Um, something interesting. I, I, I was kind of taking a look at here for, for Eddie Rosario. Oh, well, we're just on the Nelly point too. He's been out since May 12th. He's been out since May 12th and he was slashing 270, 354, 508, 862 OPS, seven jacks. So, Obviously, you know, he was on his best behavior. But from 2015 to 2017, Eddie Rosario, his O swing percentage, so swings on pitches outside the zone, had continually gone down from 46% to 42%, down to 38%. And his O contact rate, contact on pitches outside the zone, had gone up 64%, 66%, 72%. In 2017. Now, you know, 2018, a little low in the numbers, but since 2017, essentially, we've seen his contact rate on pitches in the zone increase 82%, 84% to 87% this year. So you're seeing a guy hone his cone, and you can look at it one or two ways. He's learned how to control the strike zone so much that he's now comfortable expanding the strike zone to get pitches he's comfortable hitting, or he's done a good job of continuing to make contact on the pitches that he's swinging at or chasing out of the zone. But he's also learned to make contact and go after pitches in the zone with more efficiency. Those are strides that have led to this type of production. The impact of Nelson Cruz on a guy like Max, like Max Kepler, we talk about being able to get more pitches or see pitches that he might not have saw. Otherwise, you're going to have to take advantage of those. He started to do that having a career year or a career month in May that has saw him hit like 230, 240. Um, he's hitting somewhere around 270, 280, I believe, at this point in time. So th- there's a lot to be excited about with the Minnesota Twins, man. Yeah. Like this is not <clears throat> like we're now. We're now approaching, we're one-third of the way through the season. We're two months in, and the Minnesota Twins, they haven't gone anywhere. And I think no. there, there are some skeptical fans, because I think I, I tweeted something like, uh, you know, the Minnesota Twins are fun to watch, and they're not going anywhere. And, like, you can take that two ways. You can take that as... Uh, they're not going anywhere. Like, yeah, they're a fun team, but they're not going anywhere, as in... You, I don't think that they're going to advance or they're going to be up your ass all season. And that's what I meant. Like they're going to be up your ass all season, which is, I, I mean, you were, if like we, we go back to that conversation that we had at the beginning of the season when we did our spring training, um, uh, like pr- predictions, pick one person, pick one thing about this team to talk about. We got to the twins and I think across the board, we were all optimistic about this team. I think there was there was no one that was like, ah, 
they're going to suck and they're going to miss the playoffs. I think all of us had something, uh, maybe not glowingly might be too strong, but I think we were all fairly optimistic about this team. Now it's like, you know, Dallas brings up Max Kepler, right? Since the, well, they, cause they lost on Monday, they won six straight. They lose on Monday. Kepler is hitting fucking 560 yeah. <laughs> over that stretch. He's Racing. hitting 560 with a 1706 OPS over that stretch. Rosario, 406, 1174 OPS. I mean, Miguel Sano is batting what? Fucking seventh on this team? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, the, and, and the, Kepler, the Kepler thing, like, so, like, I was talking about his production early on in the season. Like, he's, you know, historically been been good in the in the first couple months of the season and then started to take a slide well in may it's he's he's hitting 275 career 238 hitter in may he's hitting 275 up, up into this point um and and as of yesterday i think or whatever had a career total of six homers in may he's got five this month career total six homers in may he's got five this month this year so since he's been in the big leagues he had only hit six he's got five this year again he's uh seeing it well from both sides or you know from both from both arms 279 against lefties 275 against righties um i I mean those are the things that you wanted to see those are the things that you were looking forward to kind of been waiting on if you're twins fans from max kepler Max Kepler was who had Max Kepler as the guy uh, before the season. Who had that? Me. Okay. Me. Was it? I don't know. Maybe. No, it was me. It was. It was. It might have been me. It was one of us. It. Well, I'll I'll say this. Um, it was me, and uh, (laughs) (laughs) it was it was me because I I just I I the the association with Nelson Cruz. Wondering where I was. I, I was just thinking. Look, if Max. Can get slotted just ahead of Nelly. That hopefully that'll get him some pitches, maybe to see that he can take advantage of. That was that was my thinking there. Um, just to go back to touch on um, Rosario, though, a, a couple other notes. He's seeing less pitches in the strike zone than he's ever seen, thirty eight percent, and he's also seeing the fewest first pitch strikes that he's ever seen at fifty seven percent. And he's hitting 417 in 10 counts. So those first numbers are all great, but you got to take advantage of those hitters' counts. And he's doing that right now. He's, he's also not walking hit- a lot either. No, he's not. But the, I mean, but we mentioned we I mean this guy is here to the fucking swing. You know what I'm saying? Crops, yeah. you don't walk your you don't walk your way off the island, homeboy. Those are facts. <laughs> um and he's also hitting 232 when behind in the count. And you're like, okay, that's special. No, no, it is because the major league average is quite literally has you dead in the water at 187. 187 big league average behind in the count. He's at a 232 clip. So even with two strikes, he's bearing down, and that's called an approach, folks. He's figuring it the fuck out, continuing to do so. And that's starting rotation, fourth most innings in baseball, 350 ERA, fourth lowest walk rate, they're just they're, they're all and Odorizzi over the last what I think like five six starts it's a fucking sub one ERA sub one. To go back to the offense real quick before we move on, um, two things: no team hits the ball uh, in the air more often and on the ground less often than the Twins. And while I know the some of the offensive numbers are a little crazy this year, they currently have eight players on pace for at least two hundred 
uh, to 250 plate appearances that are slugging at least 500 right now. The record, for, the the record for most players on one team to slug above 500 in a single year in at least Four. 250 plate appearances. It's a three. It's a five-way tie. The most for six players. Ooh. The most recent team. Anybody want to guess? Uh, it's not counterintuitive. Hmm. I think it was viewed as one of the great offenses, particularly this. It had a run, one of the great offenses of the last uh, 20, 30 years. The Yankees? Yeah, I was going to say the Yankees. No, the 2003 Red Sox. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Nomar, Bill Miller, Trot Nixon, David Ortiz, Manny, and Veritek. Um, <laughs> so I don't think this lineup's quite like that, but it certainly has a lot of players performing at a high level, even in part, you know, part-time roles. Like Garver and Castro were kind of sharing the catcher duties. They're yep. both absolutely like, together. They're putting together an offensive se- uh, an offensive season we haven't seen from catchers in quite a long time. So a uh, lot of good stuff there for sure. Mm. Yeah. So the twins, they're not going anywhere. They no. interpret that how you may. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Dallas, do you want to tell us about Raycon? I, I, I I'm kind of I'd like you to tell us about Raycon, Jared. I think you want me to tell you about Raycon because I don't know how to read. I feel like our listeners deserve to hear from the rocket. It's 2019. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. I'm actually using them right now because I don't like to use the over the ear headphones here in the studio because my hair is too pretty. So I use Raycon earbuds. Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market. And they sound just as amazing. The company was actually co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg. Mm are already obsessed. Raycon's E50 wireless earbuds have totally changed the game for me. They're so comfortable and they're so easy to take anywhere. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems. And of course, they don't just look great. They sound great too. Uh, When I'm wearing them during the podcast, I can hear Dallas crystal clear. It's like he's literally inside the room with me. Inside of you. Raycon offers their wireless earbuds for everyone in a range of fun colors at an unbeatable price. Here's the deal. Go to Raycon.com slash rocket to get 20% off your order. That's buyraycon.com slash rocket for 20% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time. Buyraycon.com slash rocket. Jay, hey! What up? You know what fucking time it is. All right, here we go. Thoughts on Paul DeJong, DeYoung so far? Not a a Cards fan, but you make it sound like Goldie's the only bat worth a damn on the team. I don't know who makes us sound like that. but Well, I mean, we love Goldie, but... Before we get to that answer, here's what's really going on 
is that right when it was about time to talk about the Cardinals and they started chirping all their fans about how we weren't talking about the Cardinals, they proceeded to lose like 20 of their next. They got bad. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's really what's going on here. But please, what do you guys have to say about him? Yeah, no, he's been uh, first of all, if you're a Paul DeYoung fan, boy, do we have a surprise for you. And that's all we'll say about that. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the extra base hits, he's he's been fucking he's been performing. He's been doing well. It's a it's a big step up from last year <clears throat> when he got called up. We got called up in, in 2017. He kind of burst onto the scene and he set the bar high for, you know, his sophomore season and fell well short of that. And now now that he's got some 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 dirt under the spikes, Dallas. We can talk about a Paul DeYoung who's, I mean, he's exceeding expectations even for me. With with what he's doing this season, he's exceeded sort of what I thought he would be if he if he keeps up this level of production. Well, I mean, the, the bat to ball, I think, is what people got initially excited about, mm-hmm. right? And his ability, like you could you could see him, you know, create create base, uh, excuse me create run scoring opportunities via giving himself opportunities on base. So when you couple that, you you start to think, all right, this is a guy who, you know, could potentially be a top of the top of the lineup type guy. Like, so, okay. All right. You look for little adjustments. Think about the adjustments I talked about with Chappie getting to the elevated fastballs. Well, kind of the same thing for DeYoung here, but it's him learning how to kind of cover the bottom of the zone, which is, which has been a big adjustment for him. He's gotten a lot better at that 43% line drive rate on low pitches in the zone. Mm-hmm. Best in baseball. Best in baseball. Major League average, 24%. Problem is he is hitless in his last team, last 18 ABs. That is, is, that a is great, also a fact. That's bad. But just based on what you've seen this year, you can call me... Uh, a little too excited if you'd like. But do you think that Goldschmidt is a comp for what he's been doing this season? Do, do, do I think DeYoung is a... Do I think Goldie is a comp for DeYoung? Yes, this season. Like, 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 I, I don't, like, like, what do you mean? Like, as, like, that's like something that the I think type could... of The type of bat. Like we're talking like spot in the batting order. Like this guy comes up, we're feeling the same amount of confidence. Um, I think that's still a little. I think that's a little aggressive. I don't. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I don't know that. Uh, I. I don't know that the power threat is. You know, I mean, he's, he's got like what eight homers. He's got eight homers. I mean, I. I Every mean, player what, in baseball has at least eight homers right now. Yeah, <laughs> but he's, had, um, he's got almost twenty doubles. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm look, I, I guess what I'm getting at is is Goldie th- that fear is struck in you when he's on deck. And I don't know that DeYoung necessarily represents that yet. Like, and when I say the power, I mean, you know, like any pitch, any location, like you, you if if you make a mistake, I, I I think Goldie still is just a click above, you know, a lot of guys, like it's gonna fucking hurt. You're gonna make it hurt. Um, I mean, what he, he this guy almost hit thirty bombs his rookie year though, so it's not yeah. like he it's not like he can't hurt you. And like I just ten games, how many fucking games he played? One hundred eight games his his rookie year. And yeah, he so I got twenty five homers. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not taking anything away from the dude at all. I just I think I think it's a little early 
to give him goldie steps. Sure. Fair. Where do you predict Nolan Arenado ends up on the all-time third baseman list? So, I closer to the re- top than the bottom. Yeah, it's not yep. that deep, right? I did a little research on this one, and I have two facts for you. Well, they're not facts, but we'll use we'll use WAR because it's the one stat that can at least reasonably quali- quantify a career value. Mm. Um, thirty five. He's at thirty five point six right now for his career. Through this is his age twenty eight season. So third baseman through their age twenty eight season. So he has the rest of this year to go still, but he's currently twelfth all time. Okay, through age twenty eight. Okay. Um. To give you some perspective, he debuted in his age 22 season, okay? A couple of other all-time greats through their age 28 at third base also debuted at age 22. Mike Schmidt, Home Run Baker, and Evan Longoria. That's three very different eras of major Home Run Baker. Okay. Yep. Um, But they all debuted at 22, so we're dealing with similar amounts of samples. He's behind all three of those. Really? the specificity of war it's within the margin for error. Um, but he's got an uphill battle, I think to be a top 10 all time third baseman, because then when you go and look at career, career third baseman war totals, you basically have to hit 70 wins above replacement to be a top 10 all time third baseman. That's the, huh. that's Scott Rowland. That's um, uh, Greg Nettles. That's Buddy Bell. That's Ron Santo. That's that 66 to 70 war area, okay? Greg Nettles had a north of 60 war. Yep. Yeah, so that's like, I mean, th- that number is creeping on, like, you know, I don't know, is is shoe-in Hall of Famer a little aggressive? Because there's a lot of guys on that list that you just named. That I mean, Ro- Roland is, has flopped right. on the initial turn in the ballot. Ron Santo right. was basically a, I mean, he deserved to get in, but wasn't, got in pop. to me there feels like when you look at the all-time third baseman list like it goes from surefire hall of famer inner circle hall of famer no doubt hall of famer and then it becomes is this guy even a hall of famer very very quickly and it's kind of weird because schmidt matthews beltre boggs brett chipper jones brooks robinson ron santo scott Rowland, nettles buddy bell like that's the all-time list according to war and i think you you can decide for yourselves where that becomes for sure and is this guy really was he even a great player um but like arenado needs to he doesn't have the hardware so at least not yet so i think like while you look at his raw statistics and you say how is this guy not an all-time t- top 10 third baseman like i think he has some work to do to get there still he basically needs to double his career value or close to that to be within the margin for error uh, to be a top 10 third baseman. And he's, you know, he's got a lot of good years left, but. And I also think, you know, the extension to stay in Colorado helps. Uh, and I think that history will look back on Nolan Arenado as one of the best players of this generation. Mm-hmm. That will help as well. You know, we, we obviously, we talk about wins above replacement a lot. It's not the end all be all. Nope. Um, it's obviously a helpful unit of measurement, especially, especially when you're trying to talk about <clears throat> um, what about OPS plus? I'd be interested to see sure. Stand by. Um, like OPS plus where he ranks 
amongst you know because yep, eventually i'll, do the, I'll like, do the two same searches just give me one second yeah but i mean like even now like <clears throat> how many major league seasons does he have under his belt because what you would probably want to like do seven this right? is his yeah 2019 it's the seventh season yeah so there would have to be some sort of arbitrary minimum x amount of plate appearances cut off before you sort of inserted nolan arenado into the you know, all time great third baseman conversation. Sure. Um, Cause I mean, like before, like when you're talking about like the Mike Schmitz of the world, how often did defense ever come into that conversation? You know, when you were like the, the, the greatest of all time discussions have evolved, especially in recent years to where now you're factoring, like once you bring in wins of replacements, like now we're bringing in base running and now we're bringing in defense. Whereas, you know, you would have like the Brooks Robinsons of the world where, yeah, we're talking defense, but when we're talking all time, like Babe Ruth, like you think fucking Babe Ruth was a fucking uh, stellar defender? No, but I think like it certainly helps on the margins. Like I don't think yeah, any, no, it definitely. I don't helps. think it's anybody would be looking at Brooks Robinson as an all time great player unless his defense was was factored in, right? Right, right. Uh, um, and I, I, to that end, I don't think people would necessarily automatically assume that Adrian Beltre is an all time great unless his defense was factored in either. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, but he was a model of consistency. Like he was never like his standout season was 2004. He was runner up to pool holst with the Dodgers for for MVP that year. Never won one for sure. Um, but I think I, it seems obvious now. But like you go back 10 years, six years, which we still had most of Adrian Beltre's prime to work with mm-hmm. looking at it six years ago. I feel like there was a shocking number of informed baseball writers, media people who were not sold on the idea of Adrian Beltre as a Hall of Famer, and it required a promotion of his advanced or underlying statistics for Mm -hmm. people to start to appreciate him accordingly. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Um, To answer the question that you um, posed earlier, this is interesting, actually. So... um, The among players with at least 2000 career plate appearances. So actually, let me toggle that up. Um, So as of right now, Nolan Arenado's 122 OPS plus actually puts him much further away from all time great third baseman through their age 28 season. Um, Like he now becomes number 31 all time through age 28. Um, That's very surprising. Yeah. Which is nowhere, which is nowhere near the top. Like David Wright uh, is much higher than he was uh, at this point in his career. Um, That's because we're talking OPS plus, which is ballpark adjusted. For for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, There, there are some names ahead of, ahead of him that I'm not sure even informed baseball people would, would immediately recognize. Um, in terms of like all t- like through through age twenty eight or all time, Mike Schmidt OPS of one hundred and forty seven is the best for a third baseman with any sort of meaningful sample. Obviously, as we just sort of alluded to, one hundred and twenty two is a long way from that. So mm-hmm. I do think that defense will end up being part of what propels Arenado to a top ten all time third baseman. Um, if he does end up getting there, I think in a lot of ways, he's like a more durable, sexier version of Scott Rowland. Um, yeah. Continuing on, um, we'll revisit that. How's that sound? Um, all right. So 
this this came through. I saw it. Jared made sure to make sure that this was on the list. <laughs> Have Jay Hay Kid pick somebody to represent the Indians at the All Star game. All right. I'm sure this was done because it was supposed to be a difficult task. I, I think I found a candidate who will not excite anybody, uh, but who is deserving on his own merits of at least being in the conversation for his position, and that's Brad Hand. Okay. Um, obviously, when you have a team with the starting pitchers that they do and Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor, who I think ideally was supposed to be an ambassador for the weekend, given that it's in Cleveland, um, Brad Hand's not the answer you want to end up with and something's gone horribly wrong. But a one two nine ERA and 21 innings pitched. He's sixth in war per fan graphs among relief pitchers in the AL, um, which is certainly no shoe-in case. Sixth in your own league among relief pitchers. But um, the the traditional statistics would certainly merit a look. Um, so I would pick Brad Hand if I had to decide currently. Um, the idea that if you would have told me a month ago that Trevor Bauer was not the answer, I would have been totally shocked, but he's obviously been nothing like the pitcher over his last six or so starts that he was to start the year. Um, which, I mean, we don't have to get into it because it wasn't really the question, but I mean, he had a one nine nine through his first six starts and it's now, let's see. I mean, the walks to me, it feels like he's tink he's, he's over tinkered. Um, which I think is a legitimate concern with him. 625 over his last six starts, including 17 walks in 36 innings pitch. So Brad Hand would be my pick, although I think there's still time for Lindor to get back on the radar. Yeah, um, and I think he will. I do too, and I think it would be best for the Indians if he did. Um, <laughs> although they don't really deserve the fans. It would be cool for the fans. I don't really care about what it does for the organization. Um <laughs> Would you rather be a Dodgers fan or a Royals fan over the last 10 to 15 years? Basically, it is simple as one ring over everything else, according to this person. He's not saying that's right or wrong, but which fan base would you rather have been a part of? Um, Probably Dodgers. I mean, you get to watch Clayton Kershaw every fifth day. Uh, you're at least in the conversation every year. Like there's I, I as a baseball fan or of, as a fan of any organization, I wouldn't be able to deal with. Hey, we're great, but now we suck really bad for a long time. So just hang with us, though. And there's no one at the games, and you know, it. There's yeah, I, I could I could never be a fan of a team that even if they do win a World Series, and I'm sure that there's plenty of like small market fans out there that are like, oh well, that's what makes it so special is you stick with them through the hard times, and then you know they reward you with a championship at some point. It's like, all right, well. I need to be good every year because I get severely depressed. If you're a prima, you're a prima donna. That's why. If the Red Sox lose, uh, if the Red Sox have a shitty week, I want to just walk in front of a fucking moving train. Jared, (laughs) Jared just does. Jared, Jared couldn't root for the Royals because Jared likes to win. Jared likes to touch himself, and that's why with Dayton Moore's policies on no porn, Jared couldn't be a part of the Kansas City Royals fan base. Yeah, Uh, I would. I would be okay with that because I'm married and I have somebody to touch me and I enjoy You'd be okay the with being a Royals fan because you essentially are a Royals fan minus the championship. No, 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 no. See, that's, they, they, they've gotten one early. We, we've got a few. I mean, those, but, but see, I'm not a big, like in the past guy, like you, you're, you're right. I haven't experienced a championship in quite a while mm-hmm. as a member of the Oakland A's. It's, it's been a minute. It has been a minute, but if you're a Kansas City Royals fan, you hang your hat on the fact that this organization did 
what they did with a core group, a nucleus of farmhands that made that run very special for those fans. So it wasn't about big acquisitions and massive payrolls and things of that nature. Not a lot of glitz and glamour around the organization in that regard. Just a lot of wholesome, dedicated fans that deserved a championship that got one from players who deserved a championship that got one. So I I wouldn't mind being part of that circle. So I think this is a very difficult question. Uh, Depending on when you ask me, I would probably come down on either side, depending on how I was feeling for the Royals. Like I'm going to take it as a 15 year question. You're basically talking about 11 years of totally inconsequential baseball. Yeah. uh, and I'm not trying even trying to be funny and four year, four or five years, really four years of um, of competitive, reasonably like in the picture. And then obviously back to back World Series appearances um, versus like legitimately 10 straight years, six straight division titles, 10 years of being like at or near the top of the class. Like I, it's tough because I, the part about it being a homegrown core that kind of like built to a crescendo and then experienced a little bit of heartbreak and then made it all the way back the next year and Mm -hmm. won and seeing how the city reacted to that because it had been 30 years since their previous title like there is something about that Royals title that like it's a little bit more special than it was just a random one-off that they got lucky and right. it, they right. were, they've been trash every other year. Like there was a narrative behind it, even if like some of it became a little bit annoying to me personally, because it was small, well, ball, isn't, small ball, small ball. Eh, it's not but, really that though, but isn't, um, isn't that what, the, but like, isn't that like for me again, and this is the romantic coming out. That's what look, man, that's what the 40 man roster is about is those guys having experience, yeah, getting that experience totally. in those years where they were getting drug and they were getting experience. Then they make the team at a camp, and now they're a part of the collective ass-beating that they're going to be taking for the foreseeable future. And they're all getting their ass beat together. And then they all got good together, and then they started beating for ass sure. together. And the fans got to go on that ride with them. And and the reason I appreciate that is because you know, having been a guy who spent my my whole time with one team, I did grow up with a fan base. Those fans watched me come in to that organization as a snot nosed punk and grow up to a guy who's you know just a, a now a bearded punk and 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 that's. But you know these people, and that's a big deal because they're invested in you. They're clearly invested in the organization, and to that other. Like Danny Duffy and and Hosmer and Sal and Gordo doing what they were doing, you know, Escobar doing what they were doing for the fans after those championships, after, you know, the the ALCS spending time out on the field, doing those things. That's what makes those kind of moments special. And I, the thing about the Dodgers, though, too, is that that core is largely homegrown itself. Mm -hmm. So it's like. Sure. I don't I don't want to like meant because there's a part of the do- part of the Dodgers and the way they've gone about their business that I really appreciate in that, like maybe they don't invest as much as some of us think that they could or should. But in the scheme of baseball operations in all 30 teams, they're running a high payroll. Um, they have largely run a smart organization. They have decided to keep lots of their own homegrown talent and largely chosen the right ones to keep. 
And like, to me, it's fr- there is a level of frustration that when you do the, do it well over and over again, and a, that's good. Like I, I think baseball, one of the most damaging things it's done is for some of these teams to assume that they can go on three or four year total teardowns and that the fan bases will come back. I think we've seen that in some markets, that's not the case, including yeah. Cleveland. Well, uh, and, to some and degree. I, and well, right and right, right here in Oakland, man, right here in yeah, Oakland, like sure. a lot of fans, a lot of like, like I'll say this much. A lot of people ask me and wonder, does the new stadium mean that fans are going to come and we're going to have a packed house every night and blah, blah, blah. Look, I'll, I'll tell you this much. If you build a 5,000 seat stadium here in Oakland, you'll sell it out the first night and then your work's going to be cut out for you. Because you've got a fan base that you have largely alienated with the way things have been ran for quite some time. And it's going to take some convincing to get those folks back on board that times have changed. Not only has the furniture changed, a la the place we're taking this ballgame in, but the way that things are ran. They want to know that they can buy a Matt Chapman jersey today and be able to wear it four years from now. They just they sure. want to know that. For sure. And I do think that like this whole NL West like the giants getting their three world series in years where they sometimes weren't even as good as the Dodgers, in my opinion, like I I do think it would be, it it would be a brutal beat, brutal end for the Dodgers to have this run conclude, whether that's seven years from now or two years from now and not have gotten at least one ring. Um, Cause I'll tell you this, something that I don't know if you guys truly appreciate being on the East coast, you understand that Yankee Red Sox vibe. That is very much the sentiment between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants to the point where, and I'm not making light of this at all, and this is not to laugh at, and I'm sure that there's been instances like this between Red Sox and Yankees fans, people lose their lives between Giants fans and Dodger fans. Like, shit gets real heated. So to have to wear that on the chin, those losses that Jay Hayes is kind of talking about to the point where you're actually hearing stories about people getting stomped out and losing their life because of these baseball games. That's shit is ridiculous. So as a Dodger fan, I wouldn't want to be taking those three knocks on the chin, 10, 12, 14, you know, when, when you're, when you're featuring the kind of rosters you're featuring. Final Twitter question, say something about the Rangers, good or bad, please. They are building a sweet new stadium. Which I don't even know why they're doing that. Like, I love that stadium. Because it's an embarrassment of riches out there. God damn. They're like on their third fucking stadium. And they're paying for it. That's the answer. Yeah. I mean, like, I like the location. I like the actual ballpark. Um, Yeah, that that stinks. Imagine getting a new stadium and being pissed. (laughs) I mean, I'd be pissed. Must be be tough. All right, I'll step in here with some stuff that's not uh, a set, a backhanded compliment about. No, I, well, I mean Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo has been a lot of fun to watch this year. It's not just he's not gimmicky this year, which I feel like is nice. Yeah, he's gone from like a, a sideshow gimmick act of like, oh, look at the guy who fucking you know hits like one ninety and then hits forty home runs, and he's got more home runs than singles. Like I feel like he's he's making strides and and he's progressing towards being like a legitimate offensive threat. Petriello had that article on MLB.com about how he, as of right now, should be considered a legitimate AL MVP candidate. I mean, it's well, a little early for that conversation. No, but, but he's mean, playing, the point being that he's... Is he's playing that good. And he's playing center yeah. field. 
a lot. Yeah, yeah he's like, yeah, he's he's Capable. he's no longer like exactly. He's not because the conversation around his performance has been, well, what does he give you defensively of anything to even garner, like to to even give him the consideration of putting him in the lineup? Well, he's playing a premium defensive position that matters. My question is, does can he sustain this? Can he sustain this this average, the bat to ball average, Jay Hay? That's the question here because sure. that is what that is simply, in my opinion, that is simply why he is in that conversation. So to that point, Petriello's article touched on the fact that he's actually not striking out any less than he did last year. the The change is that he's chasing far fewer pitches out of the zone, and that when uh-huh. he does make contact on pitches in the zone, the They're balls nuts. are hit with such force that like. Uh, an ex- like I think his batting average on balls in play is like 405 or was at yes. the time of the article. And they were saying that obviously that won't sustain itself, but based on his exit velocities and like the trajectory of the balls, his expected average or um, batting average on balls in play right now is still like 400. So mm-hmm. like that's ridiculous. Yeah. He's not actually, the strikeouts are still there. Uh, some of the risk is still there, but he's like basically stopped swinging at pitches that he can't do serious damage to. And to that point, he's one of only two players in baseball right now with a 20% walk rate or better. And the only other one is Mike Trout. Um, So he's truly owning the strike zone. The other thing that I'll say uh, about the Rangers, uh, LeClerc, the guy, the reliever they signed to the contract extension to presumably be there. Yeah, to presumably be their ace reliever, got off to a very hard-to-watch start. However, over his last nine games, 10 and two-thirds innings, three hits, five walks, and 21 strikeouts. Uh, opponents have a 371 OPS against – that's OPS, not OBP. OPS against him over those nine games. So he looks like he might be turning it around. That has been talking Rangers. <laughs> Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, uh, tweet at Vogelbach and just harass him until he agrees to come on the podcast. Yep. So uh, I will. Uh, I will bring him. I will bring him any lunch he wants to the Coliseum. Uh, when they're in town, if he'll sit down with us, <laughs> whatever uh, he needs. Oh, one thing I want to touch on: mini soapbox here. Mm-hmm. First of all, rest in peace to Bill Buckner. Yep. Secondly, I, I, I think it's really kind of hard to watch for some of these veteran media members who have been part of crafting the baseball narrative inside and outside of Boston for the last 20 to 30, 40 years, use his death as the time to try and make good on their own guilty consciences for, yeah. for making the play Get the it. Only thing that defined him because I'll get tell you it, what, Jay. Hey, yeah, because I'll tell you what, you spend your entire career basically amplifying that one play yep. instead of his 2,700 hits or 2,500 hits or whatever it is. Preach. Then, then you do not preach. You can, you can, I guess, but it makes you look like a jackass. You cannot, uh, then at the time of his death, when it really no longer matters, um, Go on about, oh, he's much more than that one play. Let's focus yep. on his other statistics. Sorry. It's all fucking Sorry. hollow. It's all hollow. I appreciate that, Jay Hay. I was actually going to take a very similar stance to this when I saw this on the rundown because I have 
some individuals who spend a lot of time with Bill Buckner that spend a lot of time at the Coliseum. I am blessed and fortunate and honored, frankly, to be able to hear those stories about individuals like that on a day-in, day-out basis. So I have a full appreciation for how much he was appreciated as a player. I believe the statistic was dropped on me, and I'm not sure if the error is, if I'm if I'm totally right here in the numbers, like between 72 and 89, the years where Pete Rose racked up the most hits in cross baseball, the number two guy during that time frame, Slick Willie, Bill Buckner. So to your point, and kind of circling back to what I kind of hit Jared, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek with on the on the Red Sox fan base, talking shit on a guy like Pedroia at this point in time in his career, to see that kind of happen from members of that media who not only covered that team but covered that individual, it is. It, it's kind of hollow. And I have kind of sat back and watched that from afar, just thinking yeah. kind of what you've been thinking to yourself, Jay. Like, damn, man, they've been dragging this dude his whole fucking life. Made yeah, a I- joke about him actually being able to finally come to terms with Mookie and make this a sort of tour, a thing that they were able to come together with. Like, I'll even get deep and say this. Back and look at play and look at the detail of that play. Watch his glove, folks. It's not about him being out of position. It's not about him not being ready. If his glove, quite literally, the integrity, meaning the the how firm that glove is, if his glove just isn't as floppy, isn't as worn, he makes that play. The the fucking glove actually just kind of like flops a little, and that ball goes. So that was one moment that stood out. For an eternity for individuals that allowed them to major league year, 22 year major league career defined by that one fucking play. And, and that is horseshit. That is just, fucking horseshit. And just to be clear, like, I'll just speak for myself. I would I was talking in part about Boston media members, but I was also definitely referring to the national media. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Not Everybody. just a regional thing. And I was not attacking the region. No. I was saying like there are some prominent national baseball writers who have really helped to guide that narrative along. And I get that it's part of the story, but trying to correct the record after the fact rings hollow. Yeah, I 100% agree. Yes. And, is that, uh, yeah, Jared, is that, is that a fair assessment from two guys, myself mm-hmm. being way the fuck out here on the West coast mm-hmm. and, and Jay, Hey, you know, not balls deep in Boston. Yeah. You, someone who's been around that the entire, I mean, like what, was, what is, he was, he was used as a marketing tool, like the whole, the whole like curse of the Bambino and all that shit. You know how many fucking books got sold because like of the Buckner references, and then like they come out with like the Fever Pitch movie, well, and then he's watching the it, Buckner play. Isn't just- the idea? Isn't the idea of them even having sort of a celebration or a moment where they're actually like bringing him back into the organization? Isn't that even just a small acknowledgement in some way that? There has been an active, like, keeping him at arm's length until that day came. I think he just, I mean, it was after the second title. I mean, they could have brought him back after 04 and opening day 05. Uh, the, I don't know. But, like, again, like, he probably didn't want to make it about him. You know, like, he was, enough. everyone enough. loved Bill Buckner. Like, he was a great guy. Um, I'm sure he just didn't want to be like, oh, this is Bill Buckner's championship because finally they won one. Right. Um, you know, he came back after the second one 
And well, it's I mean, kind of like glad he had that moment, but there was nothing to forgive him for. It was fucking right. game six. The so Red Sox had a chance to win game seven. They fucking lost. It wasn't on Bill Buckner as one fucking game. It just became this whole thing of like, you know, 1946, the Eno slaughter and Johnny Pesky holds the ball. And then 1967, they lose in seven games. In 1975, they lose in seven games. 1986 is Bill Buckner. 2003 is Aaron Boone. It was this whole thing. It was like it was you're you're creating this narrative because it sold tickets, it sold books, it sold movies. Like it, it was, you know, to 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 make Bill Buckner a lifelong scapegoat was unfair and it was bullshit. And the biggest reason why, and I've said this before, the Red Sox had the chance to win game seven. There was a game seven. That wasn't game seven. Like Aaron Boone, it's like he hits that home run. It's fucking over. Like there's no chance to come back from that. And thank God they didn't do to Tim Wakefield what they did to, to poor Bill Buckner. Um, but, you know, you had a guy that was like getting death threat. He had to fucking move. He, he was like he, he moved out of the state. He had to get out of there because people were so fucking mean to the guy. Um, but I'm glad, although it, it sort of almost came off as like, Hey, we forgive you. Like he had nothing to apologize for. I'm still glad that he had that moment where he could soak in the appreciation from the fans being like, Hey, you know, we fucked up. Like we, yeah. We Cause it's like, it's like, all right, we'll win, we'll win the, we'll win this first one. And you know, that'll be for the fans and the players who want it, you know, and then bill, Hey, if we can win another one, man. We'll let you in on it. You know what I mean? We yeah. can kind of forgive you at that point in time and we can make it right. And it's just, yeah, you know, you don't want to, yeah, I don't, I don't want to hammer this because I, I just hope the individual is remembered for far more than a moment or a national narrative that was pushed. Right. Seven seasons of at least a three, a 300 or better batting average, eight seasons of at least 30 doubles. He had three different 100 RBI seasons, and while this is not the image of him at the end, he also had seasons where he stole 28 and 31 bases. Mm. So a, uh, a productive and cel- uh, career-worthy of celebration. Um, until Tuesday? And oh, until Thursday, until rather. Until Thursday. Gosh, it's just the beginning of the week, isn't it? My it sure is. Um, all right. Early bird. See you. Meow.